Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another week of the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. I'm your host, Jim Reed, Blusterini in the home games, Jim in the forums, and at Hold'em underscore Steelers on Twitter. I Just like every week, I'm joined here by a wonderful panel of Rec Poker Wizards. Panel, why don't you introduce yourself and let the folks know who you are? Yeah, I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 five five on Poker Stars and Twitter. I'm John Somsky. I'm Poker Geek MN everywhere. I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Ramman50 everywhere. These guys have it together. They, they're the same thing everywhere. Boy, that's a nice life. Chris and I are still figuring that out. But I'd like to thank our sponsors who also have it all figured out, Website Amp and the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. So we have a special guest with us this week in the forums edition of the Rec Poker podcast. You've heard his posts before. Some of my favorites in the Rec Poker forums have come from at Monkey System. We're joined by Monkey System himself today, the one and only Keith. Keith, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks for joining us today. Well, I'm Keith Brandt uh, from Wisconsin, uh, and I'm um, Monkey System pretty much everywhere with a K-I-E instead of a K-E-Y. That's right. You can't miss it. already taken. When you see Monkey System in the forums, you know you've got a good post coming. And so just like every week, that's what we've done here. We've taken a post from the Rec.Poker forums for us to discuss. We're all playing in the Rec Poker nightly home home game on Poker Stars, trying to take each other's play money and earn a chance at that bronze pin that everyone so uh, coveted. And uh, just like every week, here we are. So... Um, Keith, you posted a hand in the forums. This one's by Monkey System, as I said. It's called Top Two Pair on the Turn Facing Aggression. So uh, walk us through this a little bit. What made you choose this hand? What did you think was interesting about it? And what made you post it? I thought this hand was interesting because um, it was very, very complex and hard to read at the table because there was so much going on, a lot of different things to consider. And I knew I was up against a really good player, somebody who's won World Series of Poker Circuit Rings before. So I had to think this one through. There was pressure. Um, So what happened, or are you going to read it off, Jim? No, yeah, you know, take take us through it in your own words. Okay, yeah, what happened was uh, I was the chip leader at the table. I had about, uh, I'd say, well, I had 550K or so, and uh, my opponent, uh, was uh, in the big blind with a, a little less than me. He was the second chip guy at the table. We were already in the uh, last three tables of the tournaments mm. and ended up being the chip leader there. You know, the pressure was on. I mean, if I get into a big hand with this guy and win it, I'd have a real shot at winning the thing. So uh, I'm in the middle position and uh, folds to me and uh, I've got Ace Queen offsuit. So I bet 25K. I think the blinds were 5K, 10K, 10K, if I remember right. I bet 25K. Folds around to the big blind who calls. And that's the, uh, the villain who's the, the successful player. Um, and the flop comes out Queen, Jack, Six, all offsuit. So I've got top pair, top kicker. Big blind folds. And um, I raised to, what was it, something like 70K, something that uh, basically was uh, like around half of the pot or so. 
It looks and, like uh, what what actually happened here is the the big blind checked, and you bet thirty five k. Okay, thirty five k. Right. Yeah. And then and then the the villain clicked back and raised to exactly seventy k. So let's stop there for a second. So that's not uh, that's not how it happened. That, I'm I'm talking. I'm still on pre flop. Oh, okay. Yeah, he called. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, and then on the flop, uh, I bet the thirty five k, and then he clicked back. Or this was live, so he basically raised like a, a min raise, and I right. called. And it, your villain is in the big blind here, I think. Yes. Right. Okay. Yep. So. The flop comes uh, queen, jack, six, river. You're there with ace, queen, offsuit. So top pair, top kicker, just like you say. Um, the pot was 65K. It's checked to you. You bet 35K, a little over yeah. half pot. And then the villain really just clicks it back to 70K. Yeah. Hmm. So what, what are people, just before we even move on a little, that, that check raise click back, was that... Was that small sizing a, a part of the tournament dynamic at this part at this point, um, or was it unusual? What did it, did it strike you? How, how did you feel about it in the moment? Because those clickbacks are a little weird. Yeah, it uh, at the time it didn't seem terribly unusual. No, it, it might have been a little bigger, uh, but it didn't. I, I, it doesn't stand out in my mind as something unusual for what's okay. going on. And I think the best, the best tournament players, one of the things that good tournament players do is they maximize the maximum, they, they exert the maximum amount of pressure with small bets. So I think one thing that, you know, if people are, people that are playing a lot of tournaments, they're going to be using small bets strategically. And uh, this is a good example of that. So they, they click it back and you call. Does anyone want to yeah. talk about anything there or should we move to the tournament? Well, the, only, the only thing I would say is that I am... I this does unless this has become a norm. This does like raise my you know radar or hackles or something. It raises something when this <laughs> happens. When you get the absolute min raise in this kind of spot, um, it's because it's it's it, it it's a bet that's not generally. And I mean, players can have multi street plans with this, and they can do this without having the nuts, right? But it's a bet that's not really designed to get many folds. Um, and so, and I think the more normal sizing would be, you know, probably somewhere to around a hundred K, maybe some, you know, something, maybe 90 K, maybe a hundred K, something like that. Um, and so when we get this direct min raise, it does, it does just, I just get that weird tingly feeling like, uh Oh, what's, what's happening here. Uh, I'm not, I'm never folding top pair, top kicker to this especially with that price um and i'm never raising i don't think with this hand but it's 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 starting to get a little dicey for for me just just that min bet or that min check raise what does that min check raise tell you what what does it make you feel or what what do you think they are doing with it it feels to me like somebody wants to they don't want me to go away but they want to increase the pot so I, it, it, it leans toward value, pretty heavily toward value in my mind. We may still have some of that value beat with as strong a pair or as strong a hand as a top pair, top kicker, but it is not a bet that's designed to induce folds. So it, 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 I feel like it leans towards value. Like that's there the- aren't a lot of bluffs here. That's the key to me is that they've chosen to exert the least possible fold equity. 
in this. So I find when people are doing this min click back, it's typically a value range. It doesn't mean that they're never bluffing, um, but typically if they're bluffing, they're going to want to make you, they're going to give you less, you know, less good odds so that you're going to fold more often. Um, the only thing about this, like very experienced players can use this click back as a way to just kind of help range you on future streets because they just get a lot of information about the strength of your hand by how you respond to it. And in fact, Keith, this is a subject that we've talked about before from one of your posts about these micro bets that we were seeing from players in the home game, that, that mystery player M and uh, some other people that do these small bets with the wide ranges. Right. Um, so this, I, I, given that you're telling me this is a, a strong player, uh, it does make me think it's, it's a value range. And then the only question is like Chris says, how much, how much of that do you beat? So I, I could see there being three reasons for someone doing a small click bet back like this. One is just a blind defense of the continuation bet. So mm -hmm. let's say in this particular case, Keith actually had a hand like pocket fours and was just making a, a continuation bet. And the villain has something like uh, King Jack. Um, that little click back will be enough that you might actually fold it right then and there because your pocket force is no good if, you were, if your continuation bet is basically a pure bluff. The second thing is um, I believe the villain has position here. So by uh, the, villains in the villains out of position, I think they're out of in position blind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Villain has a big blind. Yeah. I which, which makes it that. all the weirder, right? That they're doing this right. really small sizing that they're going to then play out of position on. later. Because I could too. see doing the small sizing. If you wanted to basically, you could do that small sizing to get you to the river mm -hmm. because then most likely you've got uh moment. You've got the action on you basically or the um the initiative the, initiative, the yeah. initiative right you've got the initiative most likely it would be checked to you on the turn you could check behind if you don't make your hand and get to the river with a very cheap price um but out of position that just is yeah. no a yeah. little bit I, I think you see that when when people are in position that that is probably a good distinction to make um, where people can sort of buy the river by doing this kind of move when they're in position but when they're out of position it it really does it 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 just it becomes such a value pro i mean they, they just they they it is so rare to see a bluff like this i think um i suppose you could see somebody do that with like a king 10 in this kind of spot you know, some sort of open-ended straight draw, but I think the player, the players that do that, that's exceedingly rare. And I think the players that do that mostly do it to a bigger sizing. Um, so I tend to read this as, as strong value. It's still, as I said, like value, we might be able to beat. like, you might see this from a King Jack maybe, but, and we, you know, we definitely beat that, but, um, but it's not, I'm not putting them on a lot of like draws or, okay. you know, weird, things in this spot i think the position is really key i think mm -hmm. i think if you if you were the kind of player that would do this click back um a lot i think it would it would be something that you do in position more often uh than out of position so uh, i think that's a, re a relevant factor here okay so as as played um we get to the turn and we have called and i think no matter what we're continuing right 
Like, I don't think it, no one is considering folding to that min raise, just so we're clear to our listeners. Um, so you could call, you could re-raise. Um, uh, at this point, top pair, top kicker feels like one of those kind of like, it's a strong hand, but you're really behind the range that continues to your re-raise. So I think calling is the right play. Does anybody advocate for a different play? No, don't think so. Okay. So we, I think we all agree that the, uh, the bet call is right. And I like the bet sizing too. So I, I think everything is going perfectly according to plan so far. So the turn uh, is an ace. The pot is now a little over 200K and we have top two pair. So we're feeling pretty good about the turn. Um, the villain leads out uh, about half pot to 100,000. And so before we talk about your action, Keith, so what, what are people thinking uh, here when they lead? So it's the old check raise lead line. Um, and the, just for myself, because the ace comes, if I was check raising a bluff there, I'd be, I'd be tempted to slow down here because a lot of the hands that you continue with have an ace, not a lot of them, but many of them, given that you're, you're the original open raiser. Um, so if I was in the villain's shoes, this, I would be making a value bet here, I guess, if I was going to be betting, it doesn't feel like a good spot to bluff. What do you guys think? Or does anyone, do you have a, do you have a leading range there? If, if, uh, King 10 is, uh, in the ranges, both of our ranges Mm. and it just got there. Yeah. Good point. That's another factor. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a good point. So they lead, they lead half pot. Um, so we're getting, uh, we have to call a hundred thousand. There's three hundred in the pot after his bet. We've got top two pair. There is a straight on the board, or there's a three card straight on the board. Um, we have the option to fold, uh, call, or raise. Uh, Keith, you want to take us through your thought process in this moment. So how are you feeling when you see this bet um, come across? It, it wasn't welcome, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. At this point, it was top two pair. I didn't feel like I could fold this. Right. Right. So I, I was given a choice between calling and shoving, basically. And my thought was, just having played with that player before, I know how aggressive he is. I thought the shove would get him out of the hand. Hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking. And the other thought that has you know nothing to do with GTO or anything was if I, if I shove and he's only doing this with like ace king or something, um, if, if I get his stack, I could very well win this tournament. Right. That went through my mind too. Yeah. And, and that I is thought, a factor. This is the kind of risk you have to take if you want to win these things. Mm-hmm. So, but as far as where my hand uh, stood, to be honest, I, I still remember feeling I, this, this mm-hmm. is getting a little dicey already. Yeah. I may have just improved the second best. He might have that straight. I was more worried about the straight. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's – so uh, the the question I – you know, like the idea that he has ace-king is, is you know, I think definitely possible here. Um, but do you think he's calling your shove with that? Yeah, that's interesting because top kicker on the turn. 
is it is it a value shove or is it a bluff shove? I guess is one of yeah, the questions. Yeah, that's that's what I got to thinking after the tournament was over and I was driving home. Mm. Man, I hate that drive. You yeah. have so many. Like, oh, everything comes clear to you, you know. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, at, at the at the time, I thought uh, for some reason, just had with my experience with that player, I thought mm. that that I was more likely to get him out of this hand at this point. Huh. He had something that he wasn't going to want to basically risk his whole tournament life when we're this close to the final table, you know, down to the last three tables. So there was more at stake there. And that's what the thinking that I was doing. But, you know, in, in hindsight, of course, you know, the, the top two pair actually wasn't looking too good. <laughs> All right. Well, the, the one problem you have, and we talk about this when we talk about river bets, is if you're making a bet and the only hand that's going to call you is a hand that has you beat, then you shouldn't be making that bet, right? And so when you go all in, the only hand that's going to call you is a hand that has you crushed. So, I I mean, who hasn't done this? I mean, I I do it all the time, right? Um, The question, the next question, though, is had you just called there? Because you're going to call. You got ace, you got top two pair. You still have outs, right? You still have eight cards, that could give you a full house, right? So um, what do you, if you just call there, what happens on the river? Are we getting it in anyway? Because he's not slowing down with his set. Yeah. And that I mean, was it could end up that you end up all in anyway on the river. Right. Yeah, yeah I, was, I mean, yeah, I, he, was, he was the one putting on the pressure. He was the one that was... Mm. Uh, um, how, how, how's that put again? He he was the one that was pushing value, right? Yeah, Chris. So he's something. got he's got like two two seventy behind. Is that right at this point? I mean, it, it, let's say that you called here. We're going mm-hmm. we're going to a river with about a four hundred k pot, and he's got about two seventy behind, and you've got him covered. Um. Yeah, I mean that's going to be uh, it's going to be I mean I'm probably calling here just because I I don't know what I'm going to be called I mean maybe queen jack is in there and maybe that calls me um but I don't know what I'm getting maybe ace jack is possible I de- yeah. but I don't totally know what I'm there aren't that many candidates for hands that I'm beating that are going to call my shove so I'm probably but I think the end result of this is probably it's kind of academic. Like I'm probably losing my stack anyway on the river, unless <laughs> yeah. that, unless the river comes like a king or a ten, mm-hmm. yeah. that that might save me, maybe. And and uh, uh, this is against uh, villain specific hand, but against villain specific range, I think there are some hands that villain will just give up on this river and will win anyway. So I like a call here rather than the shove, but I think given what you two had in this spot that you're just, you're probably, I don't know. You didn't say what the river was, but whatever the river was, I don't remember because it didn't yeah. matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it wasn't an ace or a queen. I'll right. tell you that Unless much. Unless it was an ace, a queen, a king, or a ten, I I'm, I'm think I'm going broke here no, no matter what. So, um, 
it's, it's a tough it's tough to fold top two in this spot that's my thoughts mm-hmm. so uh keith you did some uh work with uh, a solver here do you mind just kind of taking us through some of the results some of because you've, yeah. you've done so many great deep dives in the solver in our forums here uh, i think you might be our best solver poster so i'm excited to get your take on some of this yeah, the, the thing that surprised me with the, the solver output on this one was that at equilibrium, we're both getting our stacks in on the flop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have even gone to the turn. But as played, I should have called instead of uh, raising all in. I think that that makes sense to me because I feel like when you – when you call, you're still keeping in all their hands that you beat. You know, they get to stick around for another street. Maybe they're going to make another value bet. You know, maybe you can evaluate and make a, a value bet on the on the river. And I think Rob made just such a good point here earlier that when you, when you raise the turn like that shove, it does feel like you're turning your top two pair into a bluff because yeah. you're getting them to fold a lot of the hands that you beat. Um, so I, I get that consideration. What do you guys think about shoving or, uh, raising on the flop? We did talk about it as an option, top pair, top kicker, queen, jack six. Um, it's not like it's made of draws. So part of the problem is their check raising range is already going to be pretty, pretty tight. I think. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, in in a vacuum, I would tend to want to raise there again. I think, except it's the min click back. Yeah. Which, except the spidey sense thing, right? <laughs> it gets your spidey yeah. senses tingling, so you got to figure out what that means. And if you lend credence to that, makes it a scarier play or a stronger play, then maybe playing more passively is the better approach. Yeah, I would be much more likely to get my stack in if this was a normal raise size. Mm. When it's this min size, I just, I mean, maybe this is telling you how to play me. I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down right now. I am going to, like, (laughs) slow down a lot because I read a lot into this because it just feels like it's a bet that that, uh, you don't see a lot, and it's it's really suspicious. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I'm reading too much into that. I don't know. But especially against a, if we're saying this is a WSOP ring winner, uh, circuit ring winger, and somebody who we really respect their play, then my spidey sense is is going off the charts. Like uh, mm-hmm. this is this is something that I need to pay attention to because this player knows what they're doing. So do you think a a, a weaker range? there chooses a larger size like do you think if they're if they check raise a larger sizing there it's actually with a weaker range yes yeah i do me too i think there's more way more bluffs i think there's way more that we beat when we get when this is a 100k raise and then i feel very comfortable that i may still be behind but there's a lot of that range that i now can shove into and and take this down Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think that's very true. Um, and also you have to, it's, we talk about this all the time, Bill Independent. This is mm-hmm. a very good player who's had a lot of success in this type of tournament. So you have to respect what they're doing. And as much as it pains you, <laughs> you may have to give up your top two pair and Oof. just say, 
you know, conserve your stack and go on to the next hand. Um, it's just your, it's since for, there's so many hands that, that, that he could have right there. King 10 pocket jacks, pocket sixes are really the, the ones that you're most worried about. Right. Um, and all of those are in his range. I just don't know that, that, that you know, it's I, as, as hard as it is to get away from top two, when you're facing that kind of um, action against that kind of player, maybe as rec players, we ought to be able to say, okay, I'm just going to release this. Now, do you mean, uh, because the one thing that I always think about, I always think about the, the savvy players are more likely to be capable of bluffing with those weird sizes and rangings, you know? So I don't know if I'd level myself into trouble on that because I'd be like, well... Yes, that's what we do as rec players. <laughs> we always assume that that pro is working us. Yeah. And, and that pro is not going to risk chips against a recreational player that he knows has something because he called that race. Mm-hmm. So he knows that we have something. Yeah, he's not going to try to play games against a rec player who's liable to call him down with with top two. Yeah, right. If he doesn't have top two beat, so there's that. That's the other side of that leveling war, right? Yeah, and when and when that ace comes, it does. I do think it it, it slows down some of those bluffs that he was planning on in those situations where he did have yep. a bluffy spot because. Um, the hands that you didn't have at least one pair beat now you you now you do um, when that ace comes more often enough I think that uh, the experienced uh, player is going to be not bluffing very much there. So I think um, I think Keith, what probably should have happened, and you would have lost as little as you could have, would have been to call on the turn, and then it probably would have been a fold on the river when you got bet into for all the rest of your, his chips. Yeah, and I probably end up calling that river bed anyway. <laughs> I don't think I have the I don't I, think I have the do. discipline yeah. to get away from yeah. it there. Yeah, and most of us will. Really worrying about King Ten though. Yeah, King Ten, <laughs> but again, it's just one combo. Well, it's not yeah. suited. Not like there's a lot of different combos in there that that could be that King Ten. But it's really like it's King Ten. It is the sets. Um, having top two is nice. Plus. They are going to be making that value bet sometimes with like Queen Jack with that smaller two pair or something, maybe with a different sizing or a different line. But, and I don't think we're saying that you're never ahead. I think we're just saying that as a range, as a proportion of the range, uh, it feels, it feels like a call. I, I definitely do not fold the turn. So I'm, I'm, I'm certainly calling or raising, as you say, probably calling in my case. And then I, I don't know if I can get away from it on the river. I'm probably going broke on that hand too. Most of us will, yes. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's worthwhile thinking about what will somebody at that level mm-hmm. assume that we're going to do as rec players. Mm-hmm. And is he going to really put his tournament life at risk if he can't beat an ace high? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Depends on the reg, right? Depends on the fro. So right. I don't know. It's really nice to be put yourself in that position on a river. It's, it's, it is incredibly hard for villain at this point. If you call that 100K bet and you get to a mm-hmm. river and they've got 270 back, think about that spot. Whatever the river is, 
um, unless it is something that just changes the board entirely, like a king or a ten, it is really hard to pull that third barrel on a uh, if you've been just messing around here with some kind of weird bluff, um, because you've shown such strength here. You've called, you've bet out, you've called a raise, you've called a lead out after that raise, and now you're at a. I mean, like. I, I don't, I don't, yeah, it what seems hands, like a bad, bad time to bluff. So. That, yes. What, yes. What hands does he think you're going to fold Yeah, that have, have d- done that action so far? And then right. given that that's the case, what is he actually value right. raising with here that you beat? Right. Um, because right. then if you, if you say that, that, you know, he's, he's taking a different line with a lot of those middle strength hands, they're probably not falling into this line the and really the thing that i can talk myself into the most is queen jack like that's yeah me too. that's like the one combination that makes sense this whole line and like we beat it the whole time um well we don't beat it the whole time we beat it by the turn um and but that's only one combo and there's a number of things i can say that we're losing to at this mm-hmm. point so i'm i don't know i don't know <laughs> our friend uh tv stensby john vidar uh, one of our great international members um, did run it through GTO and uh, GTO plus. And I think they said in here that the EV difference between uh, calling and shoving was actually very close. Um, where did I say that? You know what? I won't waste everyone's time. We got, folks, we go through these forum posts and we kind of pull the best part out of it for our subject conversation, but there's all sorts of charts and graphs in there. Um, Keith's taken screenshots of his solver work and put it in there. Tron Vidar has made some notes about his solver use. So I do encourage you, we're going to touch on the highlights today, but go to rec.poker, get a free community account, and just check out the forums. List one is called top two pair on the turn facing aggression and there's lots of good stuff in there so let's just take a little break to hear from our friend jonathan little and then we'll wrap this baby up i don't hear anything oh no oh no (laughs) i know what's happening we didn't hear the music in the intro either yeah we didn't classic gym uh, yeah. audio cue, so that's good. The we are on par. I'm going to leave this in. We're going to let everyone know this is what happens. So you guys missed the opening audio cue, and uh, now we missed our. Fr- I told you guys we were going to have some fun today with the first version of this. All right, now let's listen to our friend Jonathan Little. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with Ace-King when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. I mean, that does sound pretty good. I don't want to stress. I don't want to. I stress out enough just playing the ads. Yeah, just just the <laughs> audio content. That's that'll, that's stressful enough. <laughs> well, thanks to Jonathan Little for uh, helping support the podcast. Um, so yeah, so last last thoughts on this, folks. It, w- when are you going to be 
um, inclined to do these min clickbacks and stuff like that. Like I'll tell you, I, I'm more inclined to do it on the flop in position because I feel like that's when I can get the most usable information about it. I get to use it on future streets and that's where people's ranges are still very wide. Um, you can leverage a big stack with a small raise. Um, so if I'm, I'll, you can write this down. If I'm doing this out of position, you should fold. <laughs> if I'm doing this in position, you might be able to get me off a of hand or something. What about you guys? Yeah, I agree. I love what John said. When I'm in position, I love, this is a really great way to buy yourself a cheap river. If you've mm. got a hand, if on this board you had, like a, a king 10 kind of hand and you want to like just see if you can make your straight or kind of get there like it's a nice sort of way to do that but when i when it's out of position i would say that i i wouldn't say i'd never do it but i think i might never do it yeah. i might never do it and so when other players do it it just i'm just like whoa, whoa what's what's happening here so yeah nate nate mavis always talks about on the thinking podcast he always thinks about he he looks at a spot and he thinks okay do i want to have a raising range here and maybe he doesn't and then it doesn't even matter what's in his hand because he knows this isn't a good spot to be making a raise so he's gonna only have different ranges i think this is one of those spots where as chris says yeah i might never do this click back well, I, uh, I would have checkers. a raising range but not a min raising range to, to the sizing yeah yeah, yeah 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 good point yeah thank you yeah all right well let's see yeah, my we... own ra- my own raising uh, size would be big yeah be almost an overbet pot yeah. size raise especially out of position right i mean you don't yeah. want to be you don't want to be giving people enticing odds to play a bigger pot in position against you they're making it easy for them chris yeah, yeah. yeah and this might be something i'm missing out on but if i had pocket sixes in this exact spot i'd be calling this right this bet almost every time the flop bet the flop bet um as, as villain in this position and i'd be uh checking turn and kind of playing in flow um and i might be losing out on some value there so mm-hmm. uh this might be a good spot to look at maybe this but it does it just screams value to me so yeah. you've got to be really careful and you've got to figure out uh, how to do this effectively yeah with this exact play i'd probably do like you say call the flop and then uh check raise the turn yep with yep. the with the Me ace too. coming in you figure it's a good chance that your opponent hit it and if they didn't you aren't going to get any more money out of them anyway yep. and it's a fairly straightening board so you want to get your value while you're still ahead mm-hmm yeah, it feels like that's the that's the kind of more conventional line would be the check call, check raise, um, and maybe that's you know it's it's conventional and and not perfect as a consequence. Like yeah. this guy found yeah. found some value there, and um, I think one thing that's really nice about these little clickbacks is that you do get to find out a lot about your opponent's range by how they choose to respond. Um, just like we talked about with Mystery Player M back in the day, you know, you're kind of capping your range by not raising over the top. Um, you now have to be very thoughtful with how you construct that continuing range, and it puts you know puts you in an uncomfortable spot as as we see. So, um, well done, villain. You know, you can't got hats off to the pro. He he made a good play there, and I think if you had a different hand, you know, if you if you weren't handcuffed to top two pair on the turn there, you know, who knows who knows how this how this would have gone. I think he got lucky that you had that exact hand there as well that was gonna that was gonna pay him off. Yeah, he All actually right. told that to me at, at a future tournament. Oh yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he felt like he got really lucky there. Right. Yep. I think he's right. I think he's right. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I, um, Steve Fredlin doesn't always join us for these uh, forums edition of the podcast. That's because he's so busy with his day job, um, which he also loves, which is at smallsmallbusiness.com, helping small business owners uh, support themselves and move from surviving to thriving in this new world. So if you want to work with Steve and you don't play poker, I don't know why you're listening to this, but go to smallsmallbusiness.com. It's a great way to work with Steve. And uh, it may, if, if he's busy enough there, then Maybe you can take some time off and join us for some of these podcasts. But that being said, I would like to thank Chris Jones, Rob Washington, John Somsky, Keith Brandt. Thank you so much for coming with us today. And also Website Amp and Running Aces, Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. 